Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, sanctified, we discuss sanctification. I believe it's throwing yourself out of joint with the world. I hear people say, well, if you're going to be a pastor, you can't have but one wife. If you're going to be a evangelist, you don't need but one either. And I say that with a good deal of animated feelings. I'm sick and tired of this rash of preachers getting rid of their wife and staying in their church and then getting another one and remarrying and deacons being married in the church and having church. That's an abomination of desolation, standing where it ought not. And I don't know everything, but I believe I've found out that if preachers would quit compromising... And we're never going to stop this rash of broken homes and shattered hopes and cheated children and all the rest of it until our preachers get on their hind legs and stand up for holiness in the home. Brother, I charge you tonight, you keep your hands clean as well as your heart and your life and your ministry. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture collide for discussion. Sometimes that discussion is pleasant, sometimes it's not so pleasant. And today is one of the times when it won't be quite as pleasant. We have a difficult topic to converse about, or you'll at least listen to me converse about. (laughs) Today's broadcast is titled, Autogenous Drug Addiction, The Reality. And it's based upon another essay that I wrote last year. I will, again, leave a link below to that essay. You feel free to check that out and read that, maybe dive a little bit deeper into it, and then engage me in discussion about it. That's ultimately the idea here. That's the goal here is to make you think about some of these things a little more critically, especially from your particular perspective. I'm afraid too often we're just taking the word of people that may or may not have our best interest in mind. So I'd like you to think a little bit deeper about these things and consider them from a a different perspective than you normally would. I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen. I hope you find this discussion engaging and helpful. Let's get started. The world into which we bear our gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is filled with irrational, self-destructive behavior. Christians often find this reality difficult to see from the pew of Bible-believing churches. We get comfortable behind our church walls where we find safety and security from the harsh realities of this world, and we we tend to stay there. We do what we can to remain there and sort of hide out there rather than going into all the world and preaching the gospel and engaging in people's lives and trying to help people that are that are struggling with these type situations. We become naive to such trouble by fidelity to God's word and repeated warnings from honest pulpits. Now, that's a good thing to some extent. The Bible says, I would that you were simple concerning evil. So God doesn't want you going out and getting involved in evil or learning too much about it. Your loyalty, your fidelity to God will help protect you from much of these things, from a lot of these things. But that doesn't take away your responsibility to be engaged in the lives of people who are struggling with things like drug addiction and alcohol abuse and 
all the other wonderful things that come along with those terrible aspects of life and society. Having an honest pulpit is extremely important. It's unbelievably important. If you don't have a preacher that is willing to tell you the truth, I suggest to you you've got a terrible problem. If all they do is tickle your ears with little things that you want to hear and tell you how wonderful you are all the time, but never bear any truth, never preach any truth from the Word of God, truth that confronts your life and points out the sin in your life and helps you to correct it, then you're in the wrong place. It's not unloving. It's not hateful. It's not harmful to have a pastor, a preacher, a man that will stand in front of you and honestly tell you the truth. Yet individuals of this world are not so fortunate. Their destructive behavior is often encouraged, not corrected. Without watchmen warning them of danger ahead, they're ravaged by sin and tossed by every whim. Their own free will and its resulting freedom of choice are the worst of enemies. These ideas note the importance of attending a Bible-believing church for the purpose of having honest people in your life that will warn you of the trouble ahead. Ideas have consequences. It's essential that our ideas are confronted by God's Word through clear Bible teaching. That can also be done by spending time daily reading your Bible, praying, spending time with God, engaging in the thoughts and in the decisions that are, that are active currently in your life for the purpose of trying to understand what God would have you do. A life of revelry, along with indulgence in every sinful pleasure, feeds the desire to awake and seek it yet again. It might seem fun. Sin is fun for a season. But man, years down the road, when you look back and realize what you've done, it's hard to move past those things once you've moved too far down that road. One distinct characteristic of man, further proving separation from animals, is with full conscious aptitude, man will choose to harm himself. You'll have a hard time finding an animal that will do that. One example is the autogenous or self-produced or self-generated nature of drug use. It's not an addiction, which we'll get into. It's a choice. Drug use is a choice. Drug addiction is a repeated choice one has found acceptable. When difficulties arise, with no friend that sticketh closer than a brother, man deceives himself into thinking substance abuse is the escape. They know not the great physician. They seek not his assistance. The choice is made to obscure difficulties through alcohol or drug abuse. Alcohol abuse and drug abuse are one and the same. Making alcohol legal does not make it any less lethal and destructive. Rather than bringing bodies into subjection, they give themselves over to a life dominated by uncontrolled feelings and addiction. They don't make the choices necessary, despite how difficult those choices are, to stop it. Both of which are controllable by the person that chooses to assume said control. <laughs> that, that really is the crux of the issue. Will you make that choice? Will you assume that control or will you allow yourself to keep spiraling down, down that funnel? Labeling addiction a disease has become the catch-all counterfeit explanation. How profound, an illness whose cause is drinking, snorting, smoking, or injecting the object thereof. Just as ludicrous to this idea is the modern approach to treatment. Rehabilitation created a world in which addicts are coddled, 
Now, that statement does not assume they don't need compassion or assistance, but this current atmosphere of being overly coddled exacerbates the situation, and I think we'll demonstrate that momentarily. Continued contraction of this disease, so-called, motivates money-making facilities to help subjects of this infirmity through their doors. The addicts and the rehab facilities alike work to help us understand addiction is just as incurable as cancer or grid. Effectively impressing this idea relieves the addict from responsibility and fuels the rehab industry's greatest need, patience. Rough city streets and rehab centers are the perpetual ditch that addicts find themselves repeatedly falling into. To make matters worse, addicts have mastered the art of manipulation. Sadly, societies and doctors have become the manipulated. This creates a vicious circle of revolving doors at treatment centers where the same faces pass through repeatedly, but rarely gain victory. Thousands of dollars are charged by these facilities. They charge this money to bring addicts in and diagnose them unfortunate victims of a deadly disease. The price to receive this diagnosis is so high, only federal, state, and local governments would be silly enough to try and cover the cost. And they do. The use of drugs is the abuse of drugs. There is no difference. Never have we been more rich and comfortable, yet something is clearly missing in our lives. Cities and towns once known for their people of strength and character are now encroached upon by tent cities. Lewd fellows of the baser sort inhabit these areas seeking whom they may devour. These individuals choose to abandon all responsibility but one. Awake and seek it yet again. I've got to find that drug, and I will find that drug. They lurk at night because their deeds are evil. Incapable of finding the help they need, somehow they are capable of committing the violations necessary to obtain their next fix. Citizens are preyed upon by the drug user. The drug user is preyed upon by the dealer. And the rehab center benefits from the existence of them all. <laughs> Cheap manufacturer of crack and heroin once satisfied the profit margins of zealous drug dealers. But being good stewards of their chosen craft, it's only natural they should seek to improve business outlook. Cheap production of crack and heroin no longer suffice. Not if something easier and cheaper to manufacture comes along. Effortless production along with dealers' Fortune 500 mentalities produced the explosion of fentanyl. America broke into a frenzy when the disease of addiction related to fentanyl caused the death of an estimated 70,000 people in 2017. While I understand the concern for such large numbers of deaths, I'm a bit confused. For years now, alcohol has killed nearly 88,000 people per year. But there's no outrage. And there's no epidemic. There's no massive movement of concern to remove this harmful substance. But of course, this particular drug, alcohol that is, is legal, and the highest members of government are users. So this disease will be allowed to linger. Why let epic death tolls rid social butterflies of their substance of choice anyways? <laughs> Cities see the influx of alcohol to their communities in the form of bars, clubs, and liquor stores as a great way to increase revenue. Despite the death it causes, at least we got some revenue out of it. I wonder, does this make local mayors and city councils the dealers or addicts using their position of power to facilitate their addiction of choice? I'll let you decide that. Why don't you leave a comment below on what you think about it? <laughs> I would love to read it and would love to know. 
whatever the chosen substance of abuse, the demand is ultimately what facilitates the continued existence. The broad spectrum of users is scary. It seems its reach is boundless. Rebellious teens leave good homes and troubled homes in large number for the streets. Their minds have been ideally prepared for addiction. Subjected to the ideologies of this world, they are encouraged to abdicate personal responsibility. They're encouraged to do so. And that's not hyperbole. The philosophical mindset of the world, currently at least, encourages people to abandon their personal responsibility. This welfare mentality, this it's not my fault mentality, this I'm a victim and you owe me mentality, it removes personal responsibility from people. Now, that's not to say whether some people have or have not been made victims. To some measure, there may be some truth to some of it. Most of it, I think, is probably false, but some of it may have some truth to it. That's not going to stop life and that person's responsibility in life. They've got to stay on top of things and they've got to abandon this. Feel sorry for me. And I'm a victim mentality and get back to work, get on top of things and get themselves in a better situation. In the United States of America, you are not incapable of doing that no matter who you are and no matter where you're from. The question is, will you make the choices necessary to do it? Now, these people, they have been taught freedom is the lack of responsibility. Therefore, forsaking responsibility is equal to gaining freedom. Because of the current mindset and current philosophical approach of this world, character has never been required of them. Overindulged satisfaction and self-defined happiness are their life objectives. And they often end up in depression and anxiety and, and have a number of emotional problems because they have defined for themselves a form of happiness that does not exist. Or they allowed Hollywood to define it for them, or they allowed the music industry to define it for them. And then they get out into life and get a job and get bills and get married and have children and find out it's not the Hollywood dream that they thought it was. Life is actually quite hard. And if you're not ready for it, it will hit you and knock you off your feet. With this mental conditioning, they hit the streets, often never to be seen again. And unfortunately, if they are seen again, a few months of street life and drug abuse render them almost unrecognizable. I encourage you, take some time and go online and just search for photos that display a young person that started out beautiful and vibrant. And after just a few months or a few years in the streets taking drugs, you see the toll. Now, the hope of these young hearts is to escape the bondage of a home with rules and expectations. Now, others are escaping a home where they are subject to abuse. And unfortunately, the array of possible abuses is mind-numbing. But these prefer a choice in their abuse, running to the drug-addicted streets and entering a world of manipulation and vice. Drug dealers sell them a dream, one they know not to be true, but dissatisfaction with their current situation makes the deception at least seem possible. This phenomenon is not harming teens only. Adults from a wide array of our society find themselves under this same deception. I once preached to a NASA engineer that was passing through the Orlando Rescue Mission in Orlando, Florida. A man of great potential whose only hindrance was his non-compliance to personal responsibility. Save those required to stay at the rescue mission, of course. And this is where the trouble comes in. This is where people get upset. <laughs> 
Because when you say I can't do it or you tell me it's not possible for you to properly engage in society, when you need help, you can properly engage in those rules to get the limited amount of help that you desire. You're always willing to submit to those rules so that you can take advantage of the short-term gain. But you won't engage in the responsibilities that are required of a man and a woman to get along in society and be a productive member. That's a choice. Now, this man exchanged fortitude to face life's problems with an escape into the obscurity of city streets. This choice produces lives ravaged by addiction, criminal activity, routine violence, odd sexual perversion, and frequent trips to jail. It's a continual spiral downward. And it is unnecessary. Help will not be sought until years of destructive behavior have taken their toll. When the cry for help finally comes, it'll be heard by a rehab facility that will inform them they are simply unfortunate victims of a disease. The facility can provide a sense of rehabilitation, but of course there is no cure. <laughs> you see, a cure might remove the need for the rehabilitation center. Once diagnosed, they will need thousands of dollars to cover the costs or insurance that will pay for rehabilitation, or the addict will need to have gotten in enough trouble that a government body will pay for their treatment. If sufficient means of payment is produced, they tend to stay long enough to recover their body's strength, then return back to the streets to start the cycle all over again. Now, addicts are complicit in their troubles and thus victims of nothing more than their choices. If this isn't understood up front, there will be no cure due to the separation from the cause. The complete failure by an abundance of treatment facilities is evidence that this is not a contracted illness. Addiction is the result of years of bad choices developing entrenched habits, not a disease. Further exacerbating these habits, clinics replace illegal drugs for legal drugs. Ultimately, the addict exchanges drug dealers and the substance they use which seems odd. This has not at all improved the situation for the addict or the street dealer. Revenue moved from one dealer to another, and the addict moved from one drug dealer to another. I have met a number of addicts that proclaim the number of days or months they have been clean, as long as they don't include the synthetic version of their drug of choice they are currently taking, prescribed by their doctor, of course. They aren't drug-free. They are simply illegal drug-free. And there is a difference. They're being sold another false dream, another false idea. They were sold one idea by a drug dealer that got them to stay in the streets. Then they go to a rehab center and are sold another idea by another drug dealer, a legal one. And the cycle just continues. Addicts gain from rehab clinics a safe place to enjoy drug-induced sleep. They are given enough food to cure the starvation that consumed them in the streets. Drug addicts often emerge from the streets resembling prisoners of Nazi concentration camps. The Bible says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. An addict's freedom to make choices results in self-inflicted abuse resembling prisoners of war. Left to their own devices, these individuals provide themselves less humane care than would be received in the worst of prisons. An ever-increasing number of Americans lack the character needed to live with freedom. This is a scary and unfortunate reality. 
Addicts will often labor not to be caught performing their evil deeds. Yet when caught, they are relieved to be incarcerated. This temporary getaway in prison is an improvement over their current situation. They receive what is considered a vacation at taxpayer expense from the realities of daily street life. Once refreshed, clean, and healthy, they are released long enough to need another vacation. What is so curious is addicts are able to put away their disease, that is, addiction, during their time locked up. If only cancer patients could at opportune times set their disease and its brutal symptoms aside for months of temporary relief. It seems only addiction comes with this characteristic of convenience. The cancer patient will just have to suffer. Now, as mentioned, rehabilitation approaches addiction as though it were a medical disease. They refuse to consider it a moral problem in people that lack character. In their eyes, addiction must never be thought of as the result of personal choice. The addict is in no way responsible. They are victims to be handled with care and sensitivity. This approach to rehabilitation is the offspring of the idea that the height of morality is to remain non-judgmental. We could also include its co-conspirator and usual suspect ideology of esteeming self. Suggesting addiction is the outcome of personal choice may somehow lower self-esteem, as though there were something present to esteem and would be judgmental. And of course, we don't want to be mean and judgmental. Now, the proponents of these ideas call the police when a person suffering from the disease of addiction breaks into their home. I suppose the resulting arrest and judgment has no bearing on the person's self-esteem. Now, I write this essay having spent ample time ministering in prisons, rescue missions, street corners, and in one-on-one discipleship with addicts. I have compassion for them all, but a few of them are dear to my heart. I understand their lives are the result of having no God, no good shepherd, no one to guide them. When ministering in the form of public evangelism on the streets, we are often approached by addicts. They nearly all say the same things. I just want some help. To which I respond, great. What have you done today to get that help? The disingenuous immediately respond with righteous indignation, along with unrighteous language. (laughs) The sincere addict, truly interested in help, puts their head down in shame. There may actually be hope for that person. They realize at that moment, they live in a country full of opportunity to receive help. But no choice has been made to receive that help. Numerous organizations have been established to assist drug addicts in gaining victory over their addictions. And I'm not making reference to the $35 billion per year rehab industry. I'm referring to true good Samaritans that take a biblical approach to restoration. I will place links to a few of them below. If you're struggling with drug addiction, please contact me. Please look at these links. Do something to get the help that you need. If I can help you with that, let me know. These organizations understand the biblical requirements of accountability. That is the Bible-based organizations. Those are the ones I'm speaking of. The world's approach is to remove accountability of any sort. This lack of focus on individual choice allows the addict to escape victory rather than escape addiction. Drug addiction is a choice made and a condition sought after. It is not a disease contracted. I understand that after years of abuse, it becomes a difficult choice to abandon, but it is a choice nonetheless. And the further down that road you venture, the harder it's going to be for you to break away. But if addicts are not held personally accountable 
and the people in their lives are not willing to bear out this accountability, they will continue in self-afflicted misery. In the end, they are rewarded for their behavior and thereby encouraged. What's sad is this encouragement comes from the very people in place to help them. The disease of addiction has become the manufactured product of a multi-billion dollar industry. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in that. Now, multitudes of people are hurting and in need of divers' help. Life's trials and heartaches are often the gates that lead to drug addiction. An unwillingness to stand courageous and face life's troubles lead the weak-minded down the path of cowardice. Furthermore, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother is desperately needed. The troubled soul escapes reality through the use of some substance that will rob them of their sobriety. You can't think properly once you've clouded your thoughts with some substance. Others venture down this road in search of what they presume will be a good time. They wake years later wondering what happened to the time. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. An improper approach to life will cause years of frustration compounded by life's issues. This frustration, if not properly dealt with, will manifest itself through worry, care, anxiety, depression, doubt, fear, heartache, etc. Man's sin has already separated between him and his God. Add mismanagement of life and man is soon consumed. Rejection of God ensures lack of wisdom. Then as trouble approaches, nothing of substance exists to properly handle life. Men rush to cover their transgressions, as did Adam, and to hide their iniquity, as did Adam. That is, until their sin finds them out. And be sure, your sin will find you out. They refuse to meet their problems head on. Instead, they hide and they cover only to further aggravate the situation. It builds within them. They isolate themselves. They ruin relationships until finally... They feel they must escape. Adam disobeyed the instruction God gave him in the garden and chose to sin instead. Choice. That's a dangerous word. As a result, in Genesis 3.10, Adam explained to God that he was afraid and he hid. He ran. Yet the Lord still sought him, calling his name, looking for fellowship with his creation. This same progression takes place in people's lives today. Ultimately, they sin against God and they abuse relationships with people that love them. The solution is to trust God by seeking the word of God. Why continue down the hard path of transgression? You don't have to stay there. Whether you do stay there or not will be a choice that you make. Victory is available to you if you want it. Now, man today rarely considers their approach to life. Instead, they dive in giving no consideration to consequence. A thing rarely seen under the sun is a man willing to slow down long enough to consider the matter before making a decision. The very idea of absolute truth is almost wholeheartedly rejected, as though its absence were absolutely true. (laughs) Use of objective data would require time and consideration, not to mention the possibility that data might conflict with personal feelings. We would hate for that to happen. This lazy approach to life is why so many are double-minded and unstable in all their ways. You can read more about that in James 1.8. This subjective, feeling-based approach to life will cause a total sum of disorder directly proportional to the individual's emotional whims. If your emotions are out of control and you refuse to bring them into subjection, your life will be out of control and it will be directly proportional to those emotions. 
We escape such tossing to and fro by a firm stance on the word of God, which is absolutely true. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Aligning our thoughts with the word of God is vital. His word gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness. It's the word of God that provides a firm foundation on which to stand, a light for our path and a lamp for our feet. Anyone interested could exchange stumbling in darkness with walking in truth and light. You could make that choice today. Let me tell you what God has to say about this. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The God of the Bible is pleased when we seek refuge in his word. And indeed, that's the only place you're going to find refuge. That's the only place you're going to find truth. We must be willing to forsake our ways and abandon our thoughts, replacing each with God's instruction. This approach to life will cause the Lord to have mercy and to abundantly pardon. That'll go a long way to help your emotional state. And you won't understand that until the day that that burden is lifted off your shoulders and your heart is healed through the forgiveness of God. The comfort this will provide your troubled heart is the first step in the direction of a joyful life. These are the true steps to recovery. Now, in conclusion, can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? You will have to make a personal decision to escape the illusions of the world and follow the Lord's direction. Those of you among the members of our society trapped in addiction, the world's philosophies will keep you there. The current system of help is set up in such a way to bolster addiction. The world's system of rehabilitation is, unfortunately, a system addicted to addicts. But the disease is not airborne, praise the Lord. But the ideology behind rehabilitation spreads faster than the Black Plague. I encourage you to forego the endless cycle of rehabilitation and abandon the self-serving, cunningly devised fables used to paint a picture of victimhood. Essentially, what I am asking is that you forsake your wicked ways and your unrighteous thoughts, and seek the Lord while he may be found. Refusing responsibility will only prolong and encourage your troubles. Continued rejection of God's word will ensure a change in direction is never found. Without the help of Jesus Christ, you will stay the course headed straight for the angry billows of your decisions. Repentance is essential. Foundational in repentance is acknowledging your responsibility for the trouble at hand, then turning from that mindset in obedience to the Bible. The sooner you cease to think of yourself a helpless victim in the grips of terrible suffering, the sooner you may begin settling on solid ground. There is a God in heaven that desires your dependence on Him. I encourage you to seek Jesus Christ with the same tenacity you would your next fix. Become addicted to him and see just how good is this Lord of glory. And he is good and he will help you. You've just got to turn to him and he'll be there for you. Now, again, if you're struggling with addiction, if you truly have a problem with addiction, please contact me. I have resources. I have help that I can offer you. 
I'll do anything I can to help those of you that truly want help. I'm here for you. Let me know what I can do. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.